Hi, welcome to Chaos in the Attic. It's your host, Noor. Here I uncover all the chaos in our attics from emotional and physical well-being, talking all things spirituality and self-development. I have fun and enlightening conversations with inspiring people. Here we stay open to anything and everything. I am so excited to have you here with me now, so let's get chaotic! Hello and welcome back or welcome to Chaos in the Attic. I hope this episode finds you happy, healthy, well surrounded by all the love, wonders, and magic that the world has to offer always and forever. Excuse the sound of my nasally voice. I'm a little under the weather right now, um, which is kind of perfect for this episode because I feel like after someone goes out for a long night of drinking, they usually wake up feeling sick in some kind of way, you know, like that hangover feeling of just feeling really congested and tired and lazy. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. And in this episode, I speak with Carolina Um, who is an alcohol-free life coach and expert and the author of Euphoric. She talks all about how to ditch the alcohol to feel truly euphoric because I personally feel like a lot of people think that by drinking, they're chasing after that euphoric feeling when it's quite actually the opposite. She liberates women by helping them release the belief that alcohol is necessary. We talk about how removing alcohol can help you step into your true self and free you from the hangover that no one ever enjoys. I think this episode is so good for anyone, whether you are someone who drinks or doesn't drink, because we go into so many details of how to truly just take those small steps to ditching the alcohol and also how to feel more liberated for those who don't drink or who are living a sober life. Something that I think is really important to take away from this episode is to just release yourself from the pressure of whether you choose to drink or not to drink because at the end of the day, it's more to just raise a question in yourself for you to be more curious in terms of how you feel when you are drinking or when you're choosing not to drink and just helping you tap into your true self. (laughs) So I know that you will enjoy this episode and thank you so much and welcome Carolina to the show. Welcome to the podcast and it's so good to connect with you. Um, I wanted to ask you, this is the first question I feel like I need to ask all people that I have on is can you start off by telling us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Carolina Zatkowolska and I'm the author of the book Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol, and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And I'm also an alcohol-free life coach and expert. Um, And so basically, I work with women who are very health conscious and into personal development, potentially entrepreneurship as well, um, really intuitively decide whether or not alcohol is serving them. And a lot of times when it comes to this topic, people think either you have a problem with alcohol or you don't. And it really is this kind of black and white thinking that's not very helpful because when you ask yourself if alcohol is aligned with my values or my goals or my dreams, so many more people are finding that alcohol isn't really serving them any longer. So it gives a wide range for people to be more intuitive and ask questions earlier. So I work with women through coaching, retreats, group programs, my book, all these fun things to really position the alcohol-free lifestyle as this incredible opportunity to go after what you really want in life. I love it. And I think that it's really interesting how nowadays people are starting to be more sober curious and wanting to explore that. 
And I'm curious to know how you came into the work. Why, why ditch the alcohol? Of course, of course. So obviously it was based on my personal story and transformation. Um, you know, and I fell into drinking really similarly, probably to how other people did. For, first of all, I was pretty uh, shy growing up. So when I started drinking in college and, and high school, to me, it was like, oh, this magical elixir it turns me into like a more extroverted person. And obviously it was really the thing to do in college. You know, every everyone I went out, everyone drank and partied. Um, and I found kind of like an identity with that. Like now I can be the cool kid. I can drink all this kind of stuff. Um, as I got older too, you know, that habit just continues with socializing. And so I always like to share this because it's like somebody's fault that we have a relationship with alcohol, like society actually demanded that we do, right? Because of the way we live and socialize. Um, but something that started happening is I drink, I would say the most I ever did when I was in college and grad school. So it's kind of unhealthy already then, uh, just over partying, you know, like not really having healthy coping mechanisms back then. But as I got older, I got more into a healthy lifestyle. I got more into mindfulness too. So what happened to me is I basically was really healthy Monday through Thursday. So Monday through Thursday, I would drink my green juice. I would go to yoga class. I would meditate. And then Friday through Sunday, you know, the alcohol came out and I would go out. I would go to sushi night, game night, uh, wedding, dinner party, whatever it was, or just have some wine at home, you know? And what ends up happening is every Monday morning, I just woke up feeling so gutted, so low, so emotionally stuck and also physically not feeling my best. And it was so irritating because I had just spent the whole week before that being really healthy. So it just felt like I took, you know, two steps forward, five steps back. And I lived with this cycle for years, years. And it was almost felt like, like you're mad, you know, like it's just this constant loop. You never make progress. You're never achieving what you want. You're always getting thrown back. But I really didn't think I had any excuse to change because, you know, the only thing I ever heard of was AA, alcoholics, you know, this like idea that you claim that, you know, you're, you're drinking at work and then all of a sudden you have to get help. And I was like, that's not where I'm at personally with alcohol. And I don't want to have to do all those things. I don't want to, you know, so I kind of kept up drinking because I just basically thought you had to. I thought adults drink. That's just what you do. And obviously I had my own habits and I, the reasons for drinking then too. So what really changed my mind was actually dry January, this concept that you can take a break from alcohol and you don't have to really explain it to that many people. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just doing dry January. And so I committed to doing that and that changed my life. I fell in love with how I felt without alcohol. I loved how much deeper my sleep was. I loved how much more energy I had. I, I loved how much pride and confidence I felt every day, just knowing that, wow, like alcohol didn't mess anything up last night, <laughs> you know, like I abided by my intentions and then February comes around and I don't really think I can continue this because again, my first social event is like, well, you have to drink, you're an adult, like what else are you going to do? And so I drank a few times in February and the contrast was so crazy, you know, like even a few drinks, I would not sleep well. I would feel gross the next day. I, I noticed my mood really went down. So like, I was really happy in January. I was like falling in love with going on walks and having more nature around and just like these simple pleasures. And then in February, when I was drinking, I noticed like a few drinks would drop my mood. I would get frustrated, cranky, exhausted. And so there was like a part of me that was like, okay, drinking actually kind of sucks. Like this isn't a good experience whatsoever. 
And I decided to take another break at that point at the end of February. And I've basically been alcohol free ever since. <laughs> so I just fell in love with this. And, you know, for me, everything from my body, my mind, my soul has completely changed. And it's allowed me to go after my biggest dreams because a lot happened that first year alcohol free and it's been continuing to evolve. That's incredible. And there's just so much to unpack right there. I mean, the first thing is doing dry January. How, what was that transition like for you? Was it an easy process to just go into or did you struggle at all with doing that? Yeah. And I think like, obviously, um, there is so much about drinking that becomes habitualized that no matter what, no matter who you are, there is some point of struggle, I think. And uh, so for me, it was like really going out to a restaurant and not order a drink, like felt like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling deprived, you know, because the drink is like a treat. It's like a cookie you get at the end of the day, like, right. It's like something you look forward to, but something that I did pretty early on, like within the next break I took so not the January so much but the, the one I started in late February was I actually started changing my mindset and I started working on my mindset I started asking myself what do I believe a drink will give me what are the feelings I think a drink will give me and asking myself if it's really true that I'll get that from alcohol you know and, and just debunking a lot of things I used to believe about it so for example like we have this idea that drinking relaxes us and so that's why oftentimes it feels like a treat like oh I get to have this treat I'll get to feel relaxed. But based on my experiences in February and also all the neuroscience that I learned about how alcohol affects the human body, alcohol actually produces more anxiety in the body. It raises our levels of cortisol and other stress hormones. And I could I could see that. I could see that with the way I would react in February how I felt. And so the the kind of thing of, of why I wanted to drink started to get like the illusion was popped, you know, and I, I made sure to have other alcohol-free beverages so that like when I want a treat, I can still have a treat, you know, the treat's still there. It's just something different. Um, and so I think that's really important to have a game plan. Anytime someone's doing something like dry January or sober October or something, um, because when you change a habit, it's going to feel uncomfortable but it's also an incredible opportunity to do some mindset work to, to really see what was I leaning on alcohol for and how can I recreate all of that in my life without the alcohol? I think that is really, really important to touch on. It's having that mindset shift is just something I always talk about as well, because it's so easy to just rely on one thing to give you that pleasure, to give you that thing that you're seeking out, but also that change in like cutting it out and getting more in tune and connected with your body helps you evaluate whether this thing that you're whatever it is alcohol or anything else whether that is actually doing the things that you wanted to do or you're thinking that it's doing for you so i want to ask you how did you feel more connected and more in tune to your intuition and to your body yeah i mean so first of all that monday morning experience i had for years like waking up feeling horrible depressed there was always a little voice there was always a little voice telling me carolina you were made for more than this. You were made for more. And there's a huge part of me that just didn't listen. I just didn't listen to that voice. Like, okay, maybe I'll take a break for a few days, but then it's Friday and I was invited for sushi. What am I supposed to do, you know? And so the first step of, of getting in tune, I think with myself was actually for the first time really honoring that voice. And so I did when I took the break from alcohol. And what started happening was that that voice started to get stronger and stronger. I started building a relationship because now I wasn't ignoring her all the time. Now I was listening to her. And the thing is, is that, you know, when we, when we remove alcohol from our lives, 
we feel lots of different emotions. I mean, oftentimes most people drink because they're stressed, bored, you know, all these different things that are just getting kind of numbed in the moment. And so those things that we're feeling come up, we have to feel our stress, we have to feel our boredom, we have to learn to use those emotions as signs of where we're in alignment or not in alignment with our lives. And so I think that's what I started doing is I started really listening and trusting this voice so much more. Um, I also like really quieted down the chatter because there was so much chatter that happened around alcohol. You know, it wasn't like, where's my next drink? I need another drink. Oh my God, I need another drink. It wasn't like that. It was, should I drink tonight? Okay, well, I was invited to this game night, but I have a presentation tomorrow morning at work. Okay, well, I'll go, but I only have two drinks. Okay, but you know, two drinks, you know, it was this crazy chatter that was always kind of there at one form or another. And that was taking up so much brain space too. So not being able to really be in tune with my body or my intuition. So it's like, you clear up, you clear up all these like voices that aren't necessary and are just chatter and you start to really hear the truth. I started journaling a lot then too, which was insane because I used to write a lot when I was a kid. So as a kid, I wrote a lot. And then when I started drinking in college, zip, I just stopped writing. No journaling, no like poetry, all that stuff just out the window. And so when I went alcohol free, all of a sudden I noticed my journaling was coming back. Like, and I was writing so much. Um, and that's what eventually led me to write a book, but like that came back to me too. And I, I really hear that commonly from women is like, you remove alcohol and you get to know yourself. Yeah. And I think that's very, very uncomfortable for some people because if they don't accept who they are, if they don't accept themselves, then dealing with that can be such a struggle. And I guess I do want to talk about your book, but I want to ask you, how did you deal with that discomfort while in that transition and listening to your voice and dealing with all the other issues that came up? Of course. So, I mean, I think for me, um, and I think this is pretty common for a lot of people, especially people who drink at home, because, you know, socially we think, okay, I'm drinking because it's a social event, but at home, it's like, what is it really? It was either boredom or stress. So it was like, I'm stressed from my job and I drink on the weekend too. So it was kind of like this I can't wait for Friday. I can't wait for Friday. When is it going to be the weekend? When is it going to be the weekend kind of thing? All I wanted to do was press fast forward on my week, right? And I was both bored and stressed with my week. It was like the highlight of my week is the weekend, you know? And how many Americans today or people from other countries, how many people live in that kind of cycle waiting for the weekend? And so what I really didn't recognize before was how unfulfilled I was with the week and unfulfilled with what I was doing for a career. And so as I'm going alcohol free, I'm getting really confident because for so long, this was my Achilles heel for so long, I couldn't figure this out. And all of a sudden I'm going 20 days without drinking 30 days, 50 days, hundred days. And that confidence that I'm getting is spilling over to other things. And all of these things that, you know, if I could do this, if I could do this alcohol thing, what else could I do? Started becoming the question. And all these things that I never thought were possibilities for me, like becoming an entrepreneur, launching a business, I never, I mean, I thought it was white guys from Silicon Valley who are entrepreneurs, not me, not this foreign, shy, introverted person, you know, and, but this going alcohol free really started to give me that confidence that why not me? And so I recognize that like I'm unfulfilled with the week and I also start getting this confidence to launch a business. And so I basically change my life in a form where I give myself that fulfillment through the week. And I still have my nine to five. So I'm working on my business on the side, you know, but all of a sudden I'm alive. 
every day I'm alive and I'm feeling my own highs. I don't need alcohol anymore, right? And so that is such a beautiful way that I use those messages of stress and boredom. And at first it wasn't like straight shot of like, okay, I'm not drinking, now I'm launching a business. There was a lot of exploration there. You know, first that there was just a lot of new experiences, uh, experiences that I had previously. Now I was doing them not drinking, but also just new stuff. Like you have so much more time on your hands. I remember going paddle boarding. I remember going to Zumba classes, like botanical gardens, just stuff I'd never really taken advantage of before. And so that kind of journey and all the journaling and soul, soulful introspecting, I arrived finally at this idea to launch a business. And, you know, that's what I'm so passionate about helping other women with. It's not about the alcohol. It's the space you make when you remove it to find your passions and purpose. And alcohol does such a good job of numbing us to the little clues that the universe gives you about what those are. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of how I took those uncomfortable emotions and transformed them into the clues I needed to live the life I really want to live. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, that's that energy that it gives you like to actually figure out who you are and what you like and what is true to you, I think is like the most beautiful thing. So I do really love that that is something that you work with clients on. And I guess in terms of that, like at what point did you start to reach, well, start to reach out or other people reach out to you and ask you more about like this sober life or removing alcohol? Yeah. So, you know, I remember, I think I was two months alcohol free and I was um, in Hawaii and it was sunset. And like all these people were like scrambling to like get to the bar and get their drink so they could watch the sunset with their drink. And I was like, who needs that? Like, this is beautiful. Nature is so good. And I just felt so happy in that moment. And this word came to me and the word was euphoric. Like you are euphoric in this moment. You do not need alcohol. This is euphoria. And I also got in that moment, that word was like a deeper message. Like you were meant to share this with other people. And then like a week or two later, I get another download sitting at my computer. I told you about the writer's block I had for years. All of a sudden, something gives me every single chapter of my book, like all the chapter titles, right? I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And so pretty quickly, I get really inspired by literally something outside of me to share this with the world. And so I, you know, made, started making plans. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to launch a business and maybe write a book. And and I was also terrified of all those things, but I, I volunteered my story. So I remember coming out myself. I told my whole Facebook audience, I was friends with all of my, you know, colleagues at that time, like professors from my MBA program, you know, just like, I'm going to like come out. I'm going to say it on Instagram. I'm going to say it everywhere. And from that day forward, I started sharing advice too, like how to become alcohol-free and live this lifestyle. And, you know, at first it was nothing but advice. I didn't have a business behind it. And then months later, I had something in my business and months later from there, it grew and grew and grew. Um, But very quickly, I noticed too with my friends, like a lot of people are so concerned about what their friends are going to say, or just, you know, how are are you going to approach this with the people in your life? So quickly, my friends really identified as well with me you know what I mean like who who actually feels good after drinking alcohol the next day like uh, feeling like a million bucks right like nobody (laughs) and yet we kind of like don't really talk about that as a society I mean we joke about it but we don't really honestly talk about it 
And so the fact that I was insecure and unhappy with my relationship with alcohol was so common with my other friends. And finally, I've created like a safe space now where we can actually talk about it instead of ignoring it. And, you know, with that later on, I did a lot of research for my book and all these things. I found that over 60% of drinkers over drink and over the vast majority of them wish that they drank less or not at all. So like, this is a really, this is like a majority issue. You know, it's not like a minority. Oh, it's just me who feels like this. Um, And I just really wanted to be that person who I felt really alone through this. I felt so confused for so many years. I just want to reach out to that past version of me and help her. And that's kind of what gave me the motivation to kind of start speaking out about it is like, if I could help the past version of me, I will do so in a heartbeat. And that in turn has given me such a feeling of meaning in my life. You know, helping and contribution is definitely part of everything, every single person's purpose, I think on this planet, obviously in different formats and different ways, but it's made me so fulfilled as well. What I will say is what's crazy is who knew that when you ditched alcohol, that this would be your career, that this would be your path. Like that is something that you discovered. And, and you're, I think that's just like so amazing, which I'm sure anyone wants to feel that wants to feel that purpose and wants to feel that fulfillment in their life. And I mean, in terms of like, what I think is just, I really spoke to me a lot is the fact that that post drink feeling is usually mocked and is usually joked about and is very like kind of just like pushed to the side like like a little laugh and I know for a fact that everyone does feel that way because I don't I've never heard personally anyone say that they felt great like you said and the fact that it hasn't been talked about is so is why your work is so incredible and important because the more that people talk about it the more people are going to feel less I guess they're going to feel more likely to take it seriously and to actually want to better themselves and realize that they're not alone in it. In terms of the book, I love the title. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like euphoric, that feeling is what is sometimes advertised in terms of alcohol. So it's really funny that that euphoric feeling that people are seeking they have it without it. Um, in terms of the, the writing process, were you collecting information based on completely based on your own perspective? Or was it from seeing other people's working with clients working with people? Yeah, it's such a great question. And you know, that word euphoric too, it's so interesting, you mentioned that, like, obviously, we have that word the mostly tied with drugs and alcohol, it's like those things make you euphoric. Um, and it's so interesting when I learned more about alcohol and just changed my mindset, like alcohol lowers every single happiness neurotransmitter we have over time. Alcohol will give you a quick high and then you'll crash and then you'll feel worse off than before, not just that day or the next day, but for days, if not weeks later, right? So technically I never even knew what my natural mental state felt like because alcohol was always messing around with my neurochemicals. And when I did go alcohol free within, it takes a little while for your brain to rebalance, you know? So between like four to six weeks, depends on the person too. That was what I felt. Like I felt euphoric. I felt like the birds were singing, the trees were talking to me. I was giggling and laughing harder than I had since I was in high school, you know, like that's truly the feeling. Um, And so when I, and I, that word came to me in Hawaii and I knew those chapters like were downloaded to me too. I knew I was meant to write this book. And the writing process was definitely something that took a long time, like 
my I, that idea I had versus when the book was published was about a four year period. Um, but there was also something so like, like I was meant to do this. I was meant to do this. And so what I did is I really broke it down into baby steps and I didn't try to think ahead too far, you know? So like the first baby step was like, can I just commit to writing? Like, you don't have to write a full book before you get a book proposal, but I was like, can I just show myself that I can write 60,000 words or something? And I didn't even make that the goal. The first goal was, can I just write for 15 minutes on most days of the week? 15 minutes, not even on the computer. Like sometimes it was just like a little notepad. Can I just do that? And I started doing that. And so that started happening. Then once I got confident enough in like a draft in here, what was the next step? Okay, I need to write a book proposal. Okay, then I do that. Then I take a few months to do that. Okay, now I need to find an agent. So everything I just broke down step by step by step. And, you know, I will say it was so serendipitous. Like I got a book deal from a huge publishing company multiple six or a six figure book deal. Like none of that should have happened. Like all of these things are things that we think like, oh, that would never happen to me or first time writers or anything like that. And yet it did. And so one, I do believe in the power of literally everyone's ability to go after any dream they have. And I've experienced that with my clients. And two, it just goes to show that when you're meant to help other people, like the doors will open. And so the book first started with just like, okay, these are my experiences. And this is how you know, I was able to create this framework to help other people. But since the book writing took like four years, I had built my company up by then and had worked with hundreds of clients at the point of when the book was submitted. So I was able to weave in their stories, what worked for them, you know, really understand like, oh, Carolina, some people, you didn't go through this yourself, but some people really go through this. So make sure you include that in the book, incorporate a lot of research and statistics as well. So I'm really proud of how it turned out because a lot of times we do get books like that that are really solely just based on the author's experience. And those are cool because you need to connect and you need to have stories and all that kind of stuff. But having more of that, you know, this is what works for clients or other people, I think really made it um, more holistic. Yeah, I think it's also really, really powerful when people can identify and resonate with other people's stories. So I love that it includes not only your story, but other people's and their struggles and their what they learn from sobriety because yeah I truly do think that the biggest motivation is when you see that someone else has done it and someone else specifically that has been through the similar struggles as you is really really motivational and powerful to get anyone to encourage anyone to want to even try anything yeah um what can people I guess expect from reading your book what is what can they expect to gain from it absolutely so my book is really open for so many different people because I think again with alcohol it's like oh well you would only need to look into alcohol if you have a problem right and so then we get this black and white thinking that one has to identify as you know Nicolas Cage from leaving Las Vegas in order to like look into this but I don't I always say to people I don't care if you drink one drink a week or 10 drinks every day, if you find that alcohol is not serving your long-term happiness, if it's not aligned with your values, and if it's not helping you achieve your bigger dreams, you are open to explore and question it. I'm not saying you have to change, but you are open. I'm giving you permission to ask questions about it. And I think that's really what my book is about. It's technically why taking a break from alcohol is so incredible. 
And so it kind of like walks a reader through that, you know, like why would they want to even take a break from alcohol? Because if a lot of people are just so married to the idea of the immediate pleasure alcohol gives, it's just like, why would I want to do that? So it really walks through the benefits that someone would receive from the body, the mind, and the soul. So the body goes over so many different health things, not only the energy you get, the sleep that gets better internally, it's crazy how fast the body heals within just five weeks off alcohol, blood pressure has been proven to go down. Cholesterol goes down. Liver fat goes down. Your brain gratter, gray matter grows. Cancer markers in the blood go down. Now, how many Americans right now on, are on high blood pressure medicine or cholesterol medicine statins? Like a break from alcohol alone could improve their numbers so much. So more and more about the body, all those kinds of things. And it goes into the mind, you know, how much you'll redevelop your sense of self-love, self-esteem, change your mindset about alcohol too. And then the soul is like these benefits that we never even thought were anything to do with alcohol, like our sense of gratitude and our sense of purpose and passion. That's kind of where you're leading it to. And then I include an eight-week guide. So my eight-week guide is based on my kind of proprietary framework that has worked for hundreds of clients now of not only changing their beliefs around alcohol, really exposing themselves to what do, why do I drink? Like, why do I drink? Get all those reasons and then start really analyzing them and debunking them. Because you start to change your level of desire when you change what you believe about alcohol. And so from there, you kind of open the space to discover what do I really want? Like, who am I? What do I really want? What do I really need? How do I really take care of myself? And kind of open up the door to like what your bigger purpose is in life. So that's kind of how the eight-week plan is, is guided with lots of journaling and there's mocktail recipes in there. Um, so I've kind of really seen it, especially on the other books that are on the market. Like it's a really good like first step for someone who's not identifying as a very serious heavy problem drinker. And it would be a great book too to just help people with mindset at that two level. But really these women who are curious, who are, you know, health conscious, who are into personal development. And this is like that one incongruency, you know, when you do everything else pretty well, but you're like, I don't feel so good about this part of my life. Um, that's kind of what it's for. And really for that intuitive woman who also knows she's made for more, she's made for more than this pattern. You know, alcohol is not who we are. It's, I could never even get behind the term alcoholic because it's like labeling someone as that for life. It is just a pattern we have fallen into, and it is a pattern we can fall out of and find ourselves. Well, based on that, should everyone stop drinking? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, obviously, like, there's the there's this, you know, the failed phenomenon in the history of at least the United States of prohibition, right? So, like, to say, like, should everyone stop drinking and, and prohibit it would be um, senseless in the sense that that doesn't work. However, you know, if we're really asking ourselves, like, let's say, for example, there were aliens that came from another planet and they don't have alcohol on their planet and they came in there kind of just watching us and they're like, okay, so first of all, alcohol is toxic, right? It's kind of poisonous to the human body. It lowers the lifespan. It creates cancer. It creates heart disease. People don't feel well the next day. They literally get a headache. Um, Wait, wait, why are these humans drinking this? You know, like they would be so advanced. They have such better things to feel good. They wouldn't need something toxic to do that, right? They would just be so objective. So I think in a way, like we've outgrown alcohol as a society in the same way that we are outgrowing cigarettes. Like for a while that cigarettes was the main thing. And then a lot of studies came out, a lot of movements came out and, and slowly but surely, obviously people still smoke. I'm not saying they don't. But like, we're not like, that's not the predominant thing anymore. And I think alcohol will go through the same thing. And so, you know, 
because I'm so passionate about what happens when you remove alcohol, not vilifying alcohol, when you can open the door to your purpose and your passion and go after things like, this isn't just my life. My clients have launched businesses. They've quit toxic jobs. They've moved to Europe. They've gone after their dream home. Like it's just incredible what happens. I think it's an incredible opportunity for anyone to experience. And if you think about it this way, you don't have to quit drinking. Like that's not this huge thing we're talking about because the brain is always going to rebel against something that drastic. But for most people, they start drinking around 18, 21, whatever. And minus a few pregnancies, maybe along the way, we drink till we're dead. We drink till we die, like almost, you know, like it's a habit that's in our lives the whole time. And so like the deprivation for me isn't like, oh, should I feel deprived without alcohol? What is a life if you've never even tried how incredible you could feel without alcohol? That's deprivation. So do I believe everyone deserves to try a period of, of not drinking alcohol? Yes. Doing it with the mindset work so that they can change their mindset? Absolutely. But then my real big thing too is inclusion. You know, like right now there's restaurants I could go to where I'll get the drink list and there's nothing but wine or beer. What if I was pregnant? What if I'm driving? What if I'm religious? What if I don't drink? Like right now, we don't even give people the permission to not drink. There's this expectation, any social event you go to past 5 p.m., you get asked 21 questions, why aren't you drinking? You know, that's wrong. People can choose to drink or not drink, but to actually have that be the cultural expectation that everybody drinks and it's weird if you don't drink or you have a problem if you don't drink or you're the goody two-shoes if you don't drink, that's what needs to change. And I think that that's change is happening and or will be even more so seen and evident in like a decade or two in time. And I think right now we're the leaders of that. Like our culture won't change until we normalize not drinking and allowing anyone, you know, even if you drink, but your friend comes to an event one day and says she's not drinking, like, don't give her a hard time. Be proud of her. Say, that's awesome. Good for you. And move on. You know what I mean? Like we need to be more accepting of it too in society. I 100% agree with that. Um, I mean, for sure, like that, even that goody two shoes kind of always remark is like always like put out there and it's like almost like shameful to not drink, which mm -hmm. is really ironic because I feel like a lot of the, the shameful quote unquote shameful acts usually do happen when someone is drinking. But yeah, I do agree that there should be more inclusivity to that. And every time I go out for a dinner or anything like that, it's like the drink menu is handed to you. Like it's like an ex expectation or like, and the wine glass is already there on the table, ready for you to like come and have that drink. And yeah, it's just, it's just become such a, a normal, like a normalized thing of an ex something that you just, you just do, like, there's no question about it. And taking that moment, taking that pause, just even question it is really important. I think something that I'm genuinely curious to hear your opinion about is what I've noticed is that a lot of the younger generation have shifted into this more sober life and drifted away from drinking. And I'm seeing that more of the older generations are the ones that are still drinking and still finding it hard to even question the thought. So I, yeah, I'm curious to know what your opinion is on that. Well, it is true. Generation Z drinks the least out of any generation preceding it. Um, and I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing that we're removing that expectation and that pressure to drink at that point and even have it be a source of cool. I mean, okay, if you think about it, what alcohol is essentially is a fermented beverage in a glass that is kind of toxic to humans. That's it. We as a society have put all this meaning on it. 
we as a society have said it's glamorous to drink. We as a society has said it's cultured to know all your wine varietals. We as a society have said, ooh, it's a bad boy thing to be having your whiskey on the rocks. We are the ones who put all of these cultural meanings onto alcohol. You know what I mean? And to finally strip that away and to really just understand alcohol for what it is and that it doesn't give you status. It doesn't make you cool. It doesn't make you independent. It doesn't make you rebellious. It doesn't make you glamorous or sophisticated. It doesn't relax you. Like all of these things. We take away and put alcohol back into what it really is, just a fermented beverage. I love to say that all the time. It's just a beverage. What am I going to say when my friends say I don't drink? It's just a beverage. You know what I mean? Like, do we get in such a craziness around like what food we put on our plate or what fork we're using? Like, it's just a beverage, guys. Let's play it down a little. And so I think that, you know, this new generation is kind of showing that it isn't a status symbol anymore. You know what I mean? Um, and I love that. And I think that's going to do a lot of changes, you know, for our society in the coming generations. And I just think as we evolve, like we evolve our health consciousness more and more over time, um, our mental health, like uh, consciousness is evolving as well, our mindfulness, things like that. I just don't see in a hundred years from now, technology evolves too, medicine evolves in a hundred years from now, will we really continue to put a toxic crude chemical in our bodies? Like they're going to invent something else. You know what I mean? Like, it just won't make sense. Um, and so I do see those younger generations being kind of at the forefront of that. And then the older ones, you know, too, just having that opportunity to like question it and know it. this isn't just the way things have to be. Like if I grew up in the sixties, I think I would be kind of mad or, you know, I was like an adult in the sixties. I would be mad that I was a smoker. Like, wait a minute, this is what we thought we had to do. And you're telling me I didn't have to do that. And you know what I mean? In the future generation. So there's a part of me that feels like that now too. Like all that pain, all that shame, all of those lost nights, all of that was like just, just this cultural expectation placed on me that isn't even going to be around in a few decades or hundreds of years. Um, that makes me feel like an activist. That makes me feel like a rebel and makes me want to stand up even more. You know, the alcohol industry is a $253 billion industry that spends the second most on marketing out of all consumer products. It is weaved into the fabric of our lives. Like now there's this new sober curious movement. So things are slightly changing, but basically before the sober curious movement, we drank more as a society in the last 20 years of our history than ever before in the history of the planet. And that is so to do with the normalization of alcohol craft beer bars everywhere, you know, um, movie theaters have alcohol now, yoga events have alcohol now, like that wasn't a thing back in the 80s. Um, so I don't know, I think we're going in the right direction. And I think that the generations like are waking up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think definitely I 100% believe that even doctors, people in the wellness space are talking more about the like drifting away from alcohol and the consequences of alcohol. And the, the things that we once thought were, I guess, like the properties of alcohol that we once thought were very beneficial and how there's actually more harms in it than the benefits. And I want to ask you, and, to, and if anyone right now listening to this is sober curious, what are the top three tips you would suggest for them to start to explore? Absolutely. So first, I would just like give yourself permission to explore. Um, I think we feel so guilty, like, oh my gosh, if I want to stop drinking, does that mean this about me or that about me or whatever? Any reason under the sun is valid to want to look into this. You could want to become healthier. You could want to 
stop waking up with hangovers. You could want to be a better role model for your kid. Like there's no, there's no non-valid excuse to be here. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean anything bad about you. And so I think my first piece of tip is just be like, lean in, like get curious, allow yourself to learn more about this topic. We don't usually learn very much about alcohol and or people talking about alcohol in our society. It's kind of taboo. So for example, if you enjoy this episode, read a book, read another book, listen to another podcast episode, like just start learning about the mindset behind this alcohol-free movement and just like asking yourself questions about things you never asked before. Why do I really like to drink? You know, what is it exactly? Uh, what are the main reasons why I do this? Do I like this? Am I all happy about this? And then when someone's really kind of done that mindset work, I would suggest taking a break from alcohol and a break from alcohol. You know, like I will tell you 60 days is like the plan I have in my book that will change your life. 30 days is amazing, but even three days is great. You know what I mean? Like sometimes even just taking small little breaks kind of helps you work out a muscle you've never worked out before. But usually a longer break, like 30 to 60 days is where you'll really see changes. You'll really see your, your health and your energy levels improve. You'll feel better. Your mental health, like will like those chemicals in their brain will rebalance. You'll feel so much happier um, and you'll start finding yourself. And I think that I have seen it too many times to not believe it, like ditch alcohol and you will discover your purpose in life. Um, so those are just my tips is like, start small, start just leaning in, read a book or something like that. And then right now, for example, while we're recording, it's sober October, dry January is right around the corner. So these are incredible opportunities to take a break at a time when other people are doing it too. There's a lot of resources out there and stuff like that. And then definitely knowing that alcohol has been conditioned on us since we were teenagers, you know, actually it has been conditioned even longer than that because we saw alcohol growing up when we were little children, either in our parents or on TV or something like we've seen it and absorbed lessons and or things about it since we're little so we have decades of conditioning that has been telling us that drinking alcohol is normal and so to really change that mindset you know it's going to take a few months of some mental work belief change mindset work questioning things to change it so for example like one of one of the things that like the beliefs i had around alcohol that were able to change really fast were the neuroscience ones like okay i thought alcohol relaxes you no according to science it doesn't I thought alcohol helped me sleep. Nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? But some of the the last ones I changed were like, well, alcohol helps me have a better vacation. Like, what's the point of a vacation if you can't like let loose and drink? And I really had to work through that. I had to be like, first of all, most vacations I've had with alcohol involved, there was always a sour note. Alcohol always made me more tired, embarrassed me, you know, made me feel exhausted. I wanted another vacation after the vacation. And then I had to try it and experience it. I went on alcohol-free trips and I had the most eye-opening experiences. I fell in love with how much I was traveling. I was in Hawaii and I met a girl who wanted to drink with me and I wasn't drinking. I was like, okay, well, I'll go to the bar with you, but I'll have non-alcoholic drinks. And this is the middle of the day. She proceeds to get pretty drunk. And that I'm just thinking about her. I'm like, okay, she's here in Hawaii. She's supposed to be having the best time of her life. It's 1 p.m. She's drunk. She can either go to bed or keep drinking. That's really her only two options. And that's it. That's her Hawaii trip. And me, I can go on a snorkeling trip. I can go on a hike around the island. I can rent a bike. I can go out for another dinner. I can go journal. I can do a hundred million things on this trip in Hawaii, you know? So it kind of opened my eyes of like, oh my gosh, like I can do so much more. I can experience a culture so much more instead of the lie I was telling myself that 
experiencing the drinking culture is how you get to know a place. You know what I mean? So it's like every little thing I believed about alcohol, I had to change. And it was really a beautiful experience for me. So just recognizing that, you know, if you really want freedom from that conditioning that we've had for decades, it's a cool process to do that yourself too. Yeah. In some way, like there's obviously people that really have a drinking problem and they are alcoholics and they need to go to AA. But I think that's, I think, kind of one of the issues that people struggle with is, oh, but I don't have a drinking problem. So I give it up. So I really love that you just how you talk about it, because you make it more inclusive and you make it more of this is not just about having an issue with a substance. It's bigger than that. It's something that you can actually even regardless of how much you're drinking, a lot of that after heaviness that people feel that after, I don't know what you would call it, like, I, would, I feel like a downgrade in a sense is, yeah, like, it's just, is holding you back in many ways from fulfilling your goals in life and being more vibrant. And um, I also really agreed with what you said about like, it has been so conditioned in us. And I was like, literally watching, I don't know, some classical cartoon the other day. And it was like, even in like the clock, there were like men, like, like having a beer together. And I was just like, it's so crazy and wild how at such a young age, like children at the age of two and three, or like even younger are watching this stuff and just believing and taking and absorbing it without even recognizing it. So I do think, yeah, it takes a lot of mindset shift and deconditioning and journaling and getting in touch with yourself to really discover why, why you have that reliance on it in the first place or why you believe certain things about it. Yeah. Um, and saying all of that, I guess, what are, what would be your biggest reason or the biggest helpful tool that people can just turn to when they are feeling that struggle to they're feeling more tempted towards the drink so like if they're out and about I guess what would you recommend them doing if everyone else is drinking and they're the feel like they're like the only ones who are left out or whatever like what would what would your recommendation be on that of course so first of all I really love um replacing habits is how habit experts explain to us that we're able to change our habits if we just like feel the habit urge coming on and we just, okay, no, don't do the habit. Don't do the thing. It doesn't work. That's not sustainable. We have to replace. And my favorite way to replace with this is so easy. Yes. You could like, you know, if it's not socializing, if you're like at home, yeah, you can do a yoga session. Yeah. You can take a bath. Yeah. You can do this, but how much easier for me to just then tell a client, just pour a drink, like literally just pour a drink, just pour any other drink other than alcohol. There's alcohol-free beer, alcohol-free wine, alcohol-free spirits, you know, mocktails, health elixirs, matcha teas, like seriously, there's a world of options out there. So to, and like making sure we're not feeling deprived, you know, we always want to be sure to have some kind of alcohol-free or any beverage alternative, seriously, because the brain will just be like, oh, I wanted a drink. I got a drink. Yay. Now I can relax. You know what I mean? It's like, it's silly how the brain works like that. And there's studies to prove that. But now if you're feeling like for some reason, having a mocktail, you know, is going to make you feel singled out compared to people who are drinking, and hopefully the bartender or wherever you are can make you something to drink, you know, other than just water. Um, this is what I share with people. Like oftentimes we feel like we're the odd one out. And this is a very natural human response. You know, we evolved from hunter gatherers who lived in tribes. And if we were not in a tribe, we would have literally died by ourselves. We have no chance of surviving. So belonging and acceptance is very important to us. 
we have to ask ourselves what we want to belong to and be accepted around, right? Because there's all these different things in our society to form belonging around. And oftentimes when we don't drink in front of people, we think like, well, I'm the one who can't drink and everyone else is having a great time and everyone else is fine with their relationship with alcohol. It's just me. You know, instead of thinking of yourself as an odd one out or, you know, really kind of seeing it as a problem, really recognizing, and this is where you have to be super intuitive and mindful about it. When I share that 60% of people over drink and the majority of Americans wish they drank less or not at all, that means the vast majority of regular drinkers you're encountering, when they see that you're not drinking, there's a part of them, a subconscious part probably, that wishes they were you. You know, like just when you see someone who's really healthy and they're like smashing their workouts and drinking green juices and eating their salads, there's like a part of us that's like, I wish I was doing all that. I wish I was like that person. And so instead of seeing yourself as someone who's the odd one out, what if you saw yourself as the inspirer? What if you saw yourself as the role model or the leader and just being someone who's open, who's not preaching to people about not drinking, but who's just open if someone wants to ask and they're probably asking because they're curious about their own life and their own lifestyle too. And I think it changes the dynamic. You then start to feel proud of the fact that you're not drinking. I remember going to like a 4th of July party my first year and I had just discovered alcohol-free beer. And so I had like alcohol-free stouts and all this stuff. And I was like, I can't wait for people to ask me about this. Did you know there's alcohol-free stout and alcohol-free IPA? Like I thought it was so cool and I wanted people to even come to me at that point. So you see, like I now changed drinking. Oh, I took the status away from drinking and now I've now just placed it on being alcohol-free. You know, there's people like Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Brene Brown, Gabby Bernstein. They all don't drink alcohol. There's so many movers and shakers who don't drink or drink so infrequently. It's just not that relevant in their lives. Those are my biggest heroes, you know? So I see not drinking as a status symbol. So I think those are some like little mindset tools and tricks you can use like while you're going out and you feel left out in that moment. And also recognize that can't deprive yourself like your your body and your mind want to treat in that moment treat yourself get an alcohol-free drink or whatever it is if you're not drinking you know go get yourself a massage later if you have done it for a few like a week or two like build a life full of pleasure and really the the specialness of why you used to give yourself alcohol for these new things um, and I think you'll find yourself feeling a lot better and I just really think that you know if I would have seen someone not drinking at a party five years ago, six years ago, before I'd started this journey and they're having a good time and they're just like having a fun time and everything. I would have been like, wait a minute, you're allowed to do that. Cause I didn't even think it was allowed. I thought I had to drink at this party. So like, don't think that you are the odd one out and people are like, Oh, poor you or whatever. Seriously embody that energy of someone who's changing people's lives. I think that is such a good point and I loved everything you just said because I think yeah it is it is more so I I think for yourself than for anyone else or something to feel more proud of for yourself and yeah it's not it's not about how what anyone else thinks or how anyone else feels at the end of the day it all comes back to you and how you're feeling so I love that you touch on that um something that I always ask all my guests is how do you ease the chaos in your attic and how would you encourage the listeners to ease their chaos 
Good question. Um, so, you know, I'm a huge fan of personal development and really leaning into um, different modalities to manage the chaos in my own brain. Um, so a morning routine is the staple of my life. I'm not perfect. I don't always do a morning routine, but the days I have my morning routine set is like when I both ground myself for the day and also get myself feeling extremely grateful. But again, also too, I inspire myself and I motivate myself and I just have a little routine of different activities I do. So first I prime, you know, that the morning is being primed to have a good day, to not get caught up in the chaos. But obviously life happens and it's crazy and there's a million things going on. And so there's just a few little rituals that I incorporate into my life. For example, I often work with a coach or in a mastermind so that I can talk about it out with someone or have a trusted friend to talk about things with. My journal is like my number one best friend. And there's other ways I know to relax myself. Like obviously working out is amazing, but sometimes we're just like, I don't want to put on a sports bra and go to the gym. I just want, you know, something quick. And so things like breath work really work for me, tapping like EFT. Um, one thing I love, it's like my secret weapon is watching the sunset because like the day's crazy and you're like, email emergency, this is an emergency. Oh my God. Da, da, da. And then you go and watch the sunset and you're like, oh, like the universe just painted me this beautiful gift on the sky. Like nothing else matters. Like I'm alive on a spinning planet. It's, it's like a one in 14 trillion chance of being alive right now. You know, like everything is put down in perspective for me in that moment. And I reconnect with nature. And so like, it just really grounds me in what's important and what's not. So that's my little ritual I do. Another thing that's really canny that I do is when I'm done with like my work day, I put my hair up on a bun, like a messy bun. And to me, that's also just like a signal, like, ooh, it's time to relax. And they've actually done studies around this that it's not necessarily alcohol that relaxes us because it releases stress hormones. It's our brain gets the signal that now it's time to relax. And so we do. They've even studied it that when people order a drink but don't drink yet, they've been able to show that their brain waves relax. So it's not the alcohol relaxing them. It's the anticipation that they're about to you know, be able to relax. So something as simple as putting my hair up in a bun too is just like a way I tell myself, okay, it's all done. You can shut it all off. It's time to just be now. I love that. I really do. I think that is such a good tip and such good advice because I do really believe that like just having that idea of like doing something to signal that this is it's leading to this next thing. Like I do similar things like I'll just I'll put on my my night glasses. I have like glasses that I only wear at night. And when I know when I have that on, it's time to just chill and I'm done for the day. So I do really agree with that. And I love that piece of advice. And I want to ask you, do you have time for a quick rapid fire round? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Do you know your sun, moon, and rising sign? Sun is Leo. Uh, moon is Cancer. Rising is Gemini. Oh, interesting. Um, do you have a book recommendation? Obviously your book. <laughs> yes, obviously my book. Um, I always come back to uh, Leveraging the Universe by Mike Dooley. Okay. I've never heard of that, but I want to... You'll love it. It's it's all energy you've got going on here for sure. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, a saying to live by. Mm, we were made for more. I love that. Um, one thing currently lighting you up. I am hosting a retreat in Bali in about two weeks, so I can't wait. <laughs> wow, that's going to be amazing, Bali. I've been like wanting to go there for the longest time and I just need to, I just need to do it. <laughs> um, mountain or sea? 
mountain. That was hard. <laughs> I know it, it. It's a hard one, honestly. <laughs> a language you wish you spoke. Mm. There's too many, but probably French. Even though I can kind of speak French, it's not enough. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I feel like people always say French or they'll say like Italian. It's always something European. Yeah. Um, a favorite element like earth fire wind fire fire same I really don't hear that much but yeah same <laughs> a current favorite food strawberries interesting <laughs> I like that um do you have a spirit animal a lion a female lion is it all the leo energy with the fire and the, <laughs> the lion? although I do have a deer behind me so I, I think I have a connection with the deer too yeah <laughs> um do you what's your love language quality time one habit you swear by uh journaling Same. <laughs> what is making you love yourself the most today the commitment I've made to my goals but yeah that's something really to honor in yourself and yeah, I think that's beautiful. Um, the last question I ask is one thing you'd remove from this world and one thing you'd add in. Hmm. I would remove self-ignorance, like not knowing ourselves, and I would add in introspection. Love that. Do you have any last messages you want to share? Yeah, you know, if this intrigued you, like I just want you to know that the this is not some severe like, oh, yeah, I have to make all these changes in my life. It's just like I said at that question when you asked me, what would be the next step? It's just leaning in, just letting yourself get curious about this. You know, this piqued your interest for a reason. And so if it did, you know, read that book, listen to that next podcast episode, find a sober influencer to follow. Um, I think you will not regret it. Love that. Um, where can everyone find you, work with you and get your book? Absolutely. So if you're interested in like coaching with me or listening to my podcast or learning about my retreats, you can find all of that at euphoricaf.com. And if you want to get my book, I would love it so much. You can just type in euphoric and Amazon or go to www.euphoricbook.com and you can find it in most countries around the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. you enjoyed that episode and i would absolutely love it if you could rate this podcast leave a review subscribe and follow it because it would mean the world to me and help support this podcast in more ways than you can know and also help me get more exciting and enlightening guests on so thank you to your precious ears for listening and bye